Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we invite our friends, Paula, Alex, and Brian to explore with us the idea of living intentionally. What does living intentionally mean? What does it look like in day-to-day life? We dive into subjects like authenticity, values, making choices that reflect our intentions, and how that all works for us in recovery. Remember that every time you hit like, or especially subscribe or follow, It lets the podcast platforms know that you think we've shared valuable content here and other people that might benefit from our podcast will be more likely to see it. Tonight we have Paula, Brian, and Alex as our guests. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? My name is Paula and I have been welcomed to this crazy podcast. (laughs) I am 800 and I can't remember what sober, which is nearly 28 months so uh, closing in on the two and a half year mark, and uh, I couldn't be happier. So thank you for welcoming me tonight. Welcome, Holly. Uh, we also have our friend Brian and Alex here tonight. Ladies first. Uh, hi, I'm Alex. I have, well, the better part of almost eight months sober now, um, and it's really been the best time of my life and I've been really honored to walk alongside all these amazing people so I'm really happy to be here. Brian? Yeah thanks Steve and Julie for having me. Uh, my name is Brian. Uh, be 46 on Monday. Uh, this is my fourth go-round at sobriety. I'm on day 69 today. I live in northern New Jersey. I am married though my marriage is going through a bit of a rough spot right now uh which is not 100 percent attributable to alcohol but definitely is a big factor and have two daughters have a dog and yeah i I, i'm i'm excited to be here i got i got a chance to do this once before with steve and julie it was a lot of fun so i'm sure tonight will be too again maybe even more so with, with polly so we'll see polly forgot to say she lives in texas you can tell by the accent <laughs> old in Texas, it's turning 93 degrees. Oh. Thank you guys so much for joining us. So, one thing I think we've all learned as we make our way through the process of recovery is that we no longer get to just float through life. We don't get to sit back and let life do what it will while we watch from the sidelines. Recovery is about building a life of intention, of purpose. What does living intentionally mean to you? What does that look like in your life? Do we dive in here and just give our views? Have Absolutely. a little <laughs> Well, speaking as an old lady, because <laughs> I have the ancient one here, um, it's, it, people say it's living with purpose. It's not, to me, living with purpose. Living with intent is, is just living meaningful, living a life I want to live, not a life that someone else has given me sort of thing. It's a life I want to live. It's doing the things that I want to do. And one of the things 
because here we go. I told you earlier, you gave me the topic and off I went down a rabbit hole. And the first thing it says, living with intention is living with your own free will. So it says it's living with free will. But to me, it's having, I'm going to drift a bit. You go, when you go to AA, the one thing they tell you is you get up in the morning and you make your bed. A lot of them say their prayers. Then you do your shower. Then you do your breakfast. That is living with intent of looking after yourself. And the one thing we talk about in sobriety is being selfish with yourself. And it's not as selfish as in me, me, me. That's not the way it is. It's it's living in a selfish way that benefits you so that you can give it to others. Correct. Yeah. One of the one of the things that I learned early in my first round of sobriety, I I walked into a therapist's office and I told her, I have no idea who I am. I need help figuring this out. And I was I was starting to get into the Brene Brown authenticity stuff. And I had no idea who I was or what I stood for. And so she, the very first exercise I did with her, she gave me a packet of seven or eight papers and it was a list of personal values. So it was every value any person could ever hold, everything from being dependable and loyal to being creative or adventurous, to keep looking after your health, to caring for others, all of these different values. And she's like, all you need to do is whittle this down to your top 10. And there must have been two or 300 words on there. Like, The fascinating thing when I started going through them was there were so many on there I felt like I should value. It was really hard for me to separate what I thought I should do from what I really felt was me. And it was a process. It took me a couple of weeks of really studying those words to come up with a list of 10 values that actually reflected what I stood for and what my beliefs were. And from there, which that in itself was huge because it it helped me define who I was and how I wanted to live my life. From there, I realized that any decision you make, any action, any words that leave your mouth, anything you do, if you compare those to your list of values, you can determine whether you're living intentionally or not. And it's interesting because as you do that more and more often, you'll do something and it just like feels wrong. Like you feel like this twist in your gut and it's because you're living incongruently with the things that you value the most. I think the more and more you live that way and the more and more you pay attention to all of those decisions applying directly to your values, the more you recognize when you're not making decisions intentionally. Living authentically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Polly, Polly, touching on what you were saying with, you know, the self-care part of it reminded me of, especially when you touched on AA, because that was where I started. Uh, the first thing that I did with intent starting on day one, was I asked for help. I went to a meeting. I intentionally went to that meeting. I didn't know what I was going to get, but I needed help, and I went and got help. And then when I was there, they were said, they said, keep coming back. So I carved out time in my day 
to go to meetings in the evening. I made, I intentionally made sure that the kids went to bed at 7.30 so I could make it to an 8 o'clock Zoom meeting. Everything drove around that time. I set a call, that one hour out, and that was one hour that I intentionally set down for me. It was the first time I had ever done it in who knows how long. And it grew. It helped me say, no, this is my time. Mm-hmm. This is the time that I I'm, I need for myself, which is something I'd never done. Your boundary. Right. Your fir- very first boundary was that one hour. This it is was. my hour. Yeah. I need to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, um, as you, anyone who's listened to my story, my first time getting sober, I won't say sober. I always say my first time with not drinking because I never really educated myself on becoming sober. Mm-hmm. This time I did. So I can say I'm sober now. But the first time I went to AA and I used AA and my meetings became vital to me that one hour. Mm-hmm. Because to me at the time, that one hour was just stopping me from going and drinking. You know, that hour became important. And it's what we say. And here's an expression that I read here in this thing. And it says, are you living life or is life living you? Because if you're not living with intention, you're not living life. And I feel similar, Steve. So I I was letting life live me for a long time. But when I really made the conscious choice for sobriety, I made the time. I was intentional every mm-hmm. single day. Yep. When I was early on, I mean, I, I know everyone knows I, I had a meeting on my calendar every day and I was there if I was driving mm-hmm. and, and a video on sound was off if I was folding laundry for the millionth yep. time. <laughs> I made it. Well, I made it a point to be there because it was so instrumental in my sobriety for me. Yes. You know, and instead of putting, there's always another task, always another thing, something to do, but I'm like, I have to do this for me, period. And I was very intentional. I mean, I still am. That's why I delete my house tonight, but um, I'm like very intentional about the things that are going to keep me sober. So how about you, Brian? Well, when you said what you said about taking and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but putting it's okay. putting yourself first, it reminded me, and this came up in a conversation that I had last night, and I, I have a hard time remembering that, um, but it, but I think it's right. You know, it, it's true for me anyway. And, and it reminded me of actually a post that I, I wrote uh, in my, in a prior, uh, a, a long time ago, I wrote something about this. I likened it to, you know, when you're on an airplane and, and they, they warn you that, you know, that oxygen masks come down. You got to take care of yourself first, right? You, your mm-hmm. your inclination might be to help somebody else, but you don't help yourself. You ain't helping anybody else. And I think that's true here too. So yeah, what you said there resonated with me. It does because I mean, once we start making ourselves feel good, what we've got inside that's starting to feel good comes out because if we're happy in here, then we give out that happiness. I truly yeah. believe that what we feel comes out of us in, you know, how many times are we grumpy and then everybody else in the house is all grumpy because we are, you know, when you snap and bite at people. So people start snapping and biting at you when you're laughing and happy and stuff like that. And you've got that joy inside you, it reflects outwards and other people feel that. So 
when you concentrate on yourself first, then you're doing it for other people as well in a roundabout way. I think the really interesting part is, is how that changes over time. So you carve out the time intensely. It could be for anything, but it could, you know, your interests change inside the growth that happens in sobriety. You continue down that path. I took up reading. I have not sat down and intentionally given myself the time to continue the book that I'm reading right now. And really, it's something that I want to do. So I did. I started. I I read that book and I broke through that wall. But the the only way I can keep up with that is I have to intentionally set time mm-hmm. for myself. Just like in anything else, I have to set that time down. I said, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read for half an hour, three times a week. I don't do that. So because I don't do that, that book is still sitting there on the same page it was two weeks ago. This all reminds me of the time management chapter in Rewired. Does the less? It does. Um, I've been working on Rewired for the last year since I first quit drinking. And I have really successfully made my way through pretty much every chapter except for time management. And I, I go and I start working through time management and I start working on the journaling questions. And then I just kind of don't like the answer because reality is I'm choosing to spend my time in ways that don't actually reflect my priorities. And like that that's not super comfortable because I want to do the things that I'm still doing. <laughs> but reality is, you know, I get kind of antsy and and not super happy when I start digging into the way that I'm spending my time because I'm not content with it. But I'm also, I don't know, like you, you have to mean it and then you have to follow through with it. And sometimes that means giving up one thing because something else actually is more important to you. And I think you can spend, I don't know, we all have a certain amount of time each day and we choose how we get to spend it. And I think that with everything you choose to do, you have to look at it and ask yourself, is this worth the time and energy that I'm giving to it? And it's really easy to start removing things from your life when you look at it that way. If I've got 24 hours in a day, is spending one of those hours scrolling through Facebook really worth that time? Or is spending one of those hours with a friend that just wants to gossip and and talk nonsense for an hour? Is that really worth my time? Um, and it makes it, I don't know, just to to look at it that way, this limited amount of time and energy, it makes it easier to decide how you're going to spend that time. And you don't just let it disappear so much anymore the way we used to. I think when I first got so when I first came into the I Am Sober and started with this this sobriety this time, I found that I needed the structure of time management. Like Steve was saying, he needed his hour at AA. I needed the structure of the time management in the early days. And I would carve out that time for some yoga, for some meditation, because to me, those were vital tools. I'm further along in my sobriety now. And those things are not just now my sober tools. 
those have become something I enjoy doing for me because they serve me in a way that helps me live sober at the end of the day. It, like Steve was saying, things do change and we change the longer we stay sober. I mean, Alex watched the growth with, well, I've watched the growth with all of you actually, and I've watched what's happened. And your mind changes the longer you stay sober. That yes, the focus is to stay sober, but you shift away from so much of the sobriety and start looking into more of the self-care. Like you were saying about the time management, Julie, you you do start making more notice of those the f the longer you stay sober, because those you start recognizing the things that become more important to you, to yourself. But you else know what I'm talking about? I'm totally yeah. lost right now. No, I'm okay. Yeah, no. You little horror. You've got to be a middle child. You're, I'm actually the oldest. <laughs> You're the oldest. Nah. No, and the short. My oldest. Then he's no. he's actually yeah he's a horror as well. So yeah, go ahead. No, I you, you know I that you know the the talk the topic for tonight, Steve and Julie, I just did sort of a stream of consciousness, you know, brain dump on the keyboard, and, and I'll start by saying, and St I know Steve, you know this, I, I'm I am not in a great spot right now. I'm not in a horrible spot. I'm kind of turning the corner, um, and I'm really trying hard to be you know to to not get the a case of the woe is me's, which I guess is, you know, that's living with intent right there. But I don't, I, by the first thing I wrote down was, I don't know that I'm really doing this. I, I love, I love the, the opening statement that, that you read, Steve. And, uh, but I don't know, you know, um, I, so I, so what I did was just wrote down and I'm just going to rattle these off. Uh, it's about 20 things that, okay, what, what does it mean to, to live with intent? <laughs> So I wrote down in no particular order, taking responsibility and ownership. I wrote down creating my own reality. I wrote down deciding who I want to be and, and not be. Julia, when you were talking about values, all that stuff you were saying, this is like, yep, this is this, and this is one of the ones that's most important to me. Who do you want to be and who, who not? Uh, who do you not want to be? Making a plan or having a vision and then, then executing, right? Doing what you need to do to see it through. Setting priorities, something else that I heard, Dick, that was you again, Julie. Subscribing to self-care, heard, heard that tonight. Seeking clarity, being in the moment, stop stop trying to escape or, or numb out, be in the moment, be here now. Really listening, paying attention to the world around me, you know, the take it in, the, the smells, the sights, uh, nature, all that jazz. Embracing quiet, just breathing once in a while, just just, just being there with your breath. Connecting, connecting with, with people, with yourself. I think when I wrote that, I was thinking of people. And take a beat before you act is one that's it's a big one for me. Considering the consequences, setting boundaries, avoiding triggers, keeping perspective, understanding what to let go of and when to let it go, mm -hmm. going all in, doing something that makes a difference. And then I wrote, lastly, if I could be so cliche, living one day at a time. So, you know, that's a, that's a lot. Um and then I went through that. It's about 22 or 23 things. And I, you know, I looked at those and I said, of those 22 or 23, I can probably say I have six that are done. And then I said, no, no, I can't. I can say I have zero that are done. I can say I have about six that are in progress. None, none of those things are done, right? They're never yeah. done. So you're yeah. around. Progress, not perfection. Yeah, right. <laughs> so none of those are done. But six out of 22 or 23, I'm like, yeah, that sucks. You know, that's like, uh, 
feel like I'm back in high school geometry again or something. But but I think that's okay. I think getting to the priorities, you know, th- this was a, this was a great exercise for me to go through and put this, you know, pen to paper and come up with this list. And now I can look at these, and I did, and I can kind of pick the ones that I feel like I'm on a good track with. What are the ones I want to prioritize and work on? And Julie, I, the first one I wrote to prioritize was just deciding who I wanted to be and not be. The, the values. What are my values? So, um, you know, I think that's a big one. And then I identified some that I think are going to be really, really big hurdles for me as well. We've all got hurdles we have to climb. I mean, life gets in the way a lot at the time. I mean, you get up in the morning with intention of doing this, 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 and this. Like most people who are still working, the alarm clock blows off. So the intention is to get up, make the coffee, have a shower, put your lunch together and go to work. But who knows what is going to come at you from the rest of the world through that day that you have to cope with. So there are going to be things that will crop up. But like the one thing you said there, Brian, that I find truly, truly valuable. Step back, take a deep breath, pause, and then re-look at it. Look at it again because it's proactive, not reactive. And what you were saying when I did this one, uh, this, this rabbit hole I went down, it said, what is it that makes your life worth living? What do you want your life to be? Who do you want to be? Which is the question we keep coming up with here. Who do I want to be? And how can I express my special gifts and characteristics? That's exactly what you were talking about, Julie. And I think, um, and then we've got, what can I introduce into my life that will give me fulfillment, joy, and a sense of direction? Here we go. Intent, direction. It, it's having something there. And what would I like mentioned about me if there was a funeral service? <laughs> I thought about that. What are people going to say when I die? Like, I'm at a... <laughs> I, I always said I, I didn't want my kids to share around and say, oh, her mom's dead. She was a drunk. You know? so yeah. I, I, oh. I want my kids to have a nice memory of me. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speak nicely at my funeral, please, kids, if you're listening. But no, I mean, it, it is. Who do I want to be? I want to be me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be Steve. I don't want to be Julie. I don't want to be Alex or Brian. I want to be me, Paula. Mm-hmm. Because in our own way, we're all unique. Mm-hmm. And yep. if we keep trying to be like other people, it's not going to work. It hasn't and worked for a really long time. <laughs> and you're also really happy because you're not being your authentic. Yeah, you're all meant to be you, and there's only one you on this planet. So it was kind of, I had talked to Julie, it was kind of synchronistic, if that is even a word, of how this happened. The day that she had told me the topic of this podcast, I was listening to another podcast. (laughs) And the gentleman had talked about like a Buddhist teaching And it talked about our action always follows our intention. And for some reason that really stuck with me and I like wrote it in my phone. And then later that day, she's like, this is what the podcast is about, intentions and sobriety. And I'm like, that's just, but you think about it with everything you do follows your intentions. You know, when I was drinking, all of my actions followed my intentions to drink every day. And now that I'm sober, my actions follow all of my intentions and sobriety, physical fitness, mental fitness, time for myself, like my actions are showing 
the fruit of all of that. That's mm. pretty cool to see it all unfold. I don't know that I'm, I think I'm in the early throes of, of living with intention and where, you know, where I'm at in, in my journey right now. And I hadn't stopped to give that thought uh, and writing those things down. And I, and I'm, and I'm taking, I'm adding to that as I'm listening to the four of you talk, you know, I'm going to come up with a list and that I can put in priority order and, and work on, on things, you know, one at a time, just stop, stop starting, start finishing, you know, work on one thing, get it done and no, don't get it done, but get it to a, a good state. And then, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is I think this is, this is going to be a really good exercise in self-improvement for me. Something that I don't know, I don't know at what point in the journey I would have come around to think about, you know, coming up with a list like this, if I even would have had this, this question, this topic not been posed. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. And I think when you make a start, you end up with a, a sort of natural progression into other areas. You have a starting point and then you progress your list will, you'll have a starting point on it and you'll progress through each item on that list. And before you know it, you'll think, oh, hang on a minute, I need a new list. Or you need you know? to start, start over sometimes and, and develop those skills further. I say everything is a cycle. Everything. We have four seasons for a reason. We have the 1st of January for a reason because we're going to go through another four seasons. Everything is a cycle. And it's like everything in air sobriety. The first time you come into it, you're working so hard on just not drinking, staying sober. That's your focus for the first 100 days. It's just that's your intention. I, you know, Thanks for saying that. I think I needed to hear that because, I, like I said, I had this list and I'm like, I've got like, you know, 15% of these things that I could even take partial credit for. But now I want day 69, you know, I, mm -hmm. my, my focus right now and, and I'm, I'm, you know, one day at a time winning, but I'm winning that yeah. one. And that, that should be my intention right now more than anything else is it, it, it. It, my sobriety. So yep. yeah. that just good to hear. Whatever you have to do to be sober, like your intent is that. So it, in my early sobriety and even now, you know, my life is formed around the intention of staying sober. So how do I make my whole life fit my intention to be sober? All of my actions fit my intention to maintain lifetime sobriety. And it's working so far. So <laughs> everything else everything else moves and shifts with that intention. And that's okay. So and it right. My sobriety is the center. Because exactly. that's the most important thing. Right. And if and when it doesn't match you know, you feel yeah. it. Yeah. I feel something. Yeah. And which and is so, what Julie was saying about when 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 you don't feel when you're doing something and it doesn't feel right. Yeah. That's what yeah. you were saying. That's exactly it's, it. It's not congruent. It, one of the hardest things. Please don't use big words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like over here Googling. What the hell did you just say? One of the hardest about her now is she talks back to me. Oh, it's him. One of see look. One of the hardest things I found was having my words match my intention, which means I had to say it out loud, and that means I had to stand behind it. And when I had to stand behind it, that means I'm telling myself I believe in what I'm saying. 
for the first time in the really in a really long time when you turn around and start believing in what you're saying and then it matches your intentions you have to move along that path regardless of what happens outside of you or if you're comfortable or not exactly not even be comfortable and (laughs) and and it goes all the way to down to simply reacting or responding Mm -hmm. so go ahead no no i'm just thinking i think of like conscious um being consciously reactive instead of just like emotionally reacting to everything but anyways oh yeah actually can we can you explain i'm i'm i want to understand what you mean by that a little bit more uh reacting versus responding so the reaction is something that is more it's emotional it's visceral it's it's instant and i haven't put much thought yet it's brain mouth out it's not heart head mouth everything matches when it goes heart head mouth when all those when the heart and when my heart and my head align everything i say comes from an authentic place i'm not arguing with myself i am not in an internal fight i am not allowing the outside world to determine my actions i'm coming from a place of of honesty i'm coming from a place of authenticity i'm coming I'm, I'm speaking from my heart and I'm believing what I'm saying. So the hard part is, is when I was in, when I was drinking, almost everything I did was a reaction. And then I responded to that reaction. Now I respond and I get to think about how I'm going to react afterwards. I give myself a chance now and it's, it's, and it's not easy to do. It's a pause. That's what Brian was saying. It, it comes into play with what you were saying on your list about taking a breath. Mm-hmm. Take, you know, just taking a breath. And one of the things I learned because I used to work um, as a telecommunications person. You can tell I used to because I t- can't stop talking. I was telecommunications for a very big hospital, and we get a lot of inquiries. Stock answer. Well, I haven't got the answer for that at the moment, but if you give me a little while, I'll go away and I'll have a look for it. Boom. That reminds me of with my kids. I have one of my kids in particular has a way of pushing my buttons. And it's one of those walk into the room, spring something on me, almost like she knows there's going to be a reaction, probably because for the last 20 years, there has been a reaction. And I learned somewhere or fairly early on in this this particular year of sobriety to just say, okay, and then just leave it there. You know, it would be, I'm going to do this thing or whatever. And I would just be like, okay, I'll come talk to you about it in a little bit. And that was it because my instant response was like my whole gut was twisted and I just wanted to be angry and say something mean or snotty or angry or whatever it was and so I learned to just say okay just very calmly and there were times that it would take me 24 hours to come back and talk about it but I needed to make sure that I was responding to her with a place of love and compassion and all of those things that seem to go out of the window 
in that those first few moments when you just react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to ask, how did you how did you get there, or and or how long did it take you to get there? Because that's one that I inherently either if I'm if I'm not working on it, I'm not I'm not doing. I, yeah, it's, it's on my list, but that's one that I have to constantly work at any, any uh, we'll keep any reminding you of this list as we go along uh, further along <laughs> in these podcasts we say you know how many of you ticked off this list brian <laughs> brian i'll tell you an experience that i had i never even thought about this this came up essentially in a conversation i had with julie really early on and it was this was something i had a problem and and it came up in a conversation at work where I had to stand up for myself and out of the blue, I had thought about this. I had consciously thought about this. You can prepare for as much as you want to prepare for and you're not prepared. Yeah. Right. You're not. And at some point you're going to turn around and, and someone's going to say something and you're going to tell yourself, this is what happened to me. I told myself, I don't have to react. And I just waited. There's two things. One of the things I I decided not to do is I made myself a rule. I am not going to say sorry for everything. I am not going to say sorry unless I believe I did something wrong. The first that first rule. And as soon as I started doing that, I stopped feeling guilty for things that I didn't do. I stopped taking emotional responsibility for other people. And I had nothing to say. I read out of words because I stopped taking the response out of other people's mouth. When you, I, sorry for that not happening or whatever it was, I, 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 I couldn't say it anymore. I made myself the rule. I couldn't take that away. What that, ha- what that created was the pause. And instead of me owning what they needed to own, it let them own it. It let them turn around and, and, because I had nothing to say. I couldn't say. I couldn't take it away. Then it it, it left it on them instead of on me. I think when we're drinking, we're always apologizing for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Always. And we feel it's our responsibility to apologize for other people as well. Mm-hmm. But no, I agree with you there. You don't need to apologize to someone else. If I do something wrong, I will own it. Mm-hmm. But if you do something wrong, I'm not owning your mistake. Stuff that I've got enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I own enough stuff. Um, it's it's right. It is exactly right. And that's like with the pause. And like Julie saying, she waits sometimes twenty four hours yeah. before she responds. To go back to what Brian asked, I think we tend to react in ways we're probably going to regret the most often with people that we were are really close to, with our family, with our kids, with our spouse with our parents, those are the people that it's easiest to just pop off with something instant and shitty that you wish you hadn't said or wish you hadn't done. Those are the people it's easiest to do that with. It's also easiest to communicate to those people. I'm working really hard right now to not react and to respond more carefully. So In the future, if something comes up and I just tell you I need some time before I am ready to respond to that, just know that I'm trying to be really careful with my actions. Like I said that to my kid way before anything else came up so that I could just say, okay, I'll get back with you when I'm ready. 
to respond to that. And we can do that with people that we're around all the time. I can say that to my husband and tell him I, you know, I might need some time to process things. So if you say something, I might not be ready to have a conversation right now. It might need to wait a little bit. And I try not to leave people hanging for a really long time, but I also need to make sure that my head and my heart are in the same place and that I'm able to respond with some amount of integrity. The head and the heart come into this a lot because I, to me, the only time I got sober was when this and this came together. Because when your head and your heart come into this, it's, you end up really wanting it. it. It's a desire. It's a true desire. And I always think that the emotions you're feeling manifest physically. So when your head and your heart are together, your emotions are a lot easier to deal with. Like Steve was saying about arguing with himself, when your head and your heart are not together and you're arguing with yourself, then you can't, you can't live with intention then, can you? Because you're just all over the place. If your mind is organized, yeah. then you can live with intention. I just noticed like the more as you are sober, the more sobriety you have and the more your body heals on a physiological level, like the more clarity you can have. I don't, you know, you're healing your brain, you're nourishing yourself, you're whatever. Even if you're not living the most perfect, healthy lifestyle, you're not in, ingesting poison every day. So you're able to allow your brain and your neurons and everything else to heal so you can think clearly. You can have more sound reactions. You can take that time to pause before reacting. Like Julie said, you know, I, I tell my kids sometimes I need a mom time out. That's my intention is to not react now as a mom before I was like, just reactive over everything. But in my sobriety, I've been very intentional about not reacting the way I was before and being more calm and taking the time and emotionally connecting. And I'm able to do that with the healing I've given my brain and body, <laughs> you know, in sobriety of not just being a complete basket case all the time. I mean, what I was thinking, listening to Alice talk there, and I, I mean, this is the captain obvious to so your statement, I guess, but you can't do very much of anything with intention, you know, if you're if you're not sober, at least, you know, like to the degree that a lot of us you know, probably weren't sober with regularity. Am I finding myself calmer? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've always I've always been a bit of a, a hot temper, um, frankly, but it's it's you know, like just about anything else, it's worse when, when, when I'm drinking and not like, not necessarily even in the moment, but just, you know, across the board, if I'm in a you know state of drinking every day or regularly, I'm more prone to, to, you know, fly off the axle, um, fly off the handle, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, yeah. You know, um, so yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. I would say I'm, I'm, you know, am I perfect? No, not even close with, with respect to calmness or anything, but, but yes, I am. We're calm. Mm -hmm. There's one more thing I wanted to touch on, and it's something Paula mentioned, and it also came up in Brian's list. And that is the gifts that we have. It goes into our personalities and who we are. And I firmly believe every person in this world has gifts and talents that come to them naturally that if they're using them, they will feel more fulfilled. 
And really, that's what we need to do is create a life that is fulfilling. If we can take the time to discover those gifts, I think that that shows us what actions to take, what direction to move in order to make our lives feel full. And I think that a lot of us, if you had told me a year and a half ago, when I was at my rock bottom, you have gifts to develop, to grow, to make this world a better place. I would have told you you were crazy. I didn't have the self-worth enough to even start looking at who I was and what gifts I might have. And the longer you're sober and the more you do the work of recovery, the more you develop your self-worth. And I think that if we all stop and look at the gifts that we were given and the talents that we have, and we take the time to develop those and put time into those, the world could be a really wonderful place and our lives would be so full for it. And I think it's something we're thinking about and asking yourself, what are, what are your natural gifts? Guys, Julie and I would like to thank you three, Paul, O'Brien, and Alex, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You do realize it's just my bedtime. No, I, I, I do. I, I do now. Isn't it like seven? Like five minutes there. Hey, hey, this was this was a really, really good topic for me. Yeah, it's something that doesn't come naturally for me, living with intention or focusing on self-worth like we just talked about at the end there. So, yeah, the discussion was was beneficial. So I just want to say thanks. Really well, glad you're here, Brian. And thank you yeah. so much for sharing. Your list was amazing, by the way. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I don't know if you're willing to do this, but if you would consider sending me that list, I would love to maybe include it in the show notes because that was a really incredible list. And I think it would be really neat for people to be able to read if you're willing, if you're not comfortable with it, that's fine. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you very yeah. much for having me. This was wonderful. I enjoyed myself. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.